Well, good morning, everyone. You guys doing good? Okay, well, I only have another 132 announcements for you, so if you could just hang in there. And they're all in this little magical book here. So, uh, but anyways, isn't that wonderful? There's a lot of great ways for us to have the opportunity to, uh, to reach out uh, to people, to show them love, and to encourage them and point them to Christ. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And uh, as uh, Chris said, uh, my name is Rich Hendricks, and I'm the family pastor here at Linworth. And so uh, I just want to say also hello and good morning to those of you that are online. I want to welcome you. And then once again, any new visitors that we might have here today, we wanted to, to go ahead and welcome you. So um, I think what I wanted to do to kind of start things off for today's message is, is uh, read a bunch of Proverbs for you, just kind of set the table. And so uh, hang on to your seats. Here we go. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who speaks lies is treacherous. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. A worthless man digs up evil, while his words are a scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Finally, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that's uh, Proverbs 18, 21. So these Proverbs, they remind us of the power of the spoken word and to do either good or evil. So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the power of words. And so this will be kind of a two-part message here. The power of the tongue, if you may. And, and out of all the topics that Proverbs talks about, and Chris told you that we're going to kind of begin touching on different topics here. Uh, speech is, is the most used or the most uh, verses about speech are in Proverbs. As a matter of fact, there's about 150 verses in Proverbs that deal with speech. So that's about one out of every six verses uh, in Proverbs talks about the use of our words or the use of speech. And so don't worry, we're not going to go through 150 of them this morning although we are going to touch on, on quite a few. Um, and we're, it's only just going to be a couple of parts of speech that we're going to talk about this morning also. And so as I begin kind of prepping and reading and going through uh, all these different um, Proverbs here, I came across these ones in particular. Proverbs 10:19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And then Proverbs 21:23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Not sure how to take that one, being up here. 
Proverbs 13.3 says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips come to ruin. Now, I don't know about you, but do you guys sense a little bit of a theme here about speaking? As I was going through this, I almost came to the conclusion that perhaps the best thing for me to do for this message was just take some duct tape and just put it across my face here. And then I would just stand here and I'd just stare at you and you would stare at me. And I would do that so I wouldn't get myself in trouble. And of course, then I would appear brilliant, you know, as the scriptures say here. Um, I'll accept I'd be standing here with a piece of tape across my face and so you'd probably start laughing at me anyways. But... Uh, it's like the statement that uh, Chuck Swindoll um, quoted in his book entitled, Killing Giants and Pulling Thorns. And this is it. Etched faintly on a gray slate tombstone, on a windswept, excuse me, on a windswept hill in an English country churchyard. And it kind of sounds like a British novel, right? The beginning of one. And I probably should have said it in a British accent, but I would have killed it. So I'm just not going to go there. But here it is. Beneath the stone... A lump of clay lies Arvella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. Wait for it. Glad you got it, Tom. <laughs> Anybody else? She died and she no longer can flap her gums. That's right. Okay. I just want to tell you guys, first service, they had it. And they had to get up early. You were able to sleep in, so I don't know what that says about you. But uh, kidding aside here, you know, words do have power. Words have power. You know, they have uh, power to uh, help us, and they have the power to hurt us. They have the ability to lift up, and they have the ability to tear down. They have the power to create, and they have the power to destroy, and they have the power to heal, and they have the power to redeem. So they do have power. And as Christ followers, it's no accident that the use of our words and what comes out of our mouths is addressed so prominently here in Proverbs and throughout the rest of the Bible. In other words, it's as if God has something very important to talk to us about and to tell us. And so with that said, the title of this two-part message is The Power of Words, or if you want, Words Have Power. And I have an anchor for, uh, verse for this, um, these two um, messages, and it's a little tough, it's a little powerful, has a lot of weight to it. And it's Proverbs 18.21, and it was the last verse I talked about when I went through the list here. It says, death and life are in the power of of the tongue. I just want to say that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, your word. And uh, Lord, thank you for this morning as we uh, dive in and maybe just scratch the surface on this, uh, this topic. Um, but thank you that you've created us as human beings who can think and can use our words. You've provided to us your word that we can read and we can learn from, we can be instructed from. 
Uh, and Lord, we thank you for that. And I just pray this morning for each one of us, whatever you want to do, collectively or individually, uh, that we'd be open to hear from you and be open to be changed. And especially this morning, be open to be challenged. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me tell you a little bit where we're going to go. Okay, we're going to have kind of, uh, we're going to continue here with kind of an elongated introduction. So it's going to be kind of a long introduction. And it's, it's the, the idea here is to help us see, help us hear, and help us feel the power of words, the power that our tongue has. And then the rest of our message for this morning, this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at the dark side. We're going to the dark side this morning, guys, of speech and the use of our tongues. And we're going to camp there. And so it's going to be, it might be a little rough, but that's where we need to start. And so you're going to have to put your big boy and your big girl pants on, okay, as we ex explore the dark side of the power of words. And then next week, we're going to look at the life-giving side of the words and speech. And so kind of in keeping with one of the, the way the structures that uh, Proverbs has put together, the use of parallelism, um, say that quickly three times. Uh, next week, you can put your little boys and little, and little girls' pants on, and we'll, uh, we'll enjoy that. So um, in case you don't remember, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I believe uh, Chris talked about kind of the structure of the sentences uh, in Proverbs here, and basically um, parallelism, uh, if you're going to remember, is it's like the first part of a proverb states uh, something, okay? And it makes a statement. And then the second part of most of the Proverbs, anyways, it's, it's either going to illuminate things, it's going to contrast, it's going to continue the thought, um, or it's going to compare the first statement with something else. And so that's what that looks like, just as a reminder. But anyways, my hope here is that at the end of, of these messages, okay, that it's going to move us to be better. It's going to be move us to be better in our speech and how we use our words. And as we take in God's word here, as we talk about this, uh, there's some words being used, right? <laughs> but as we take this in, as we take in God's counsel on the use of words, um, I hope that it's going to provide space in our lives um, to bring healing, confession, and, and redemption. So uh, that's my hope as we walk through this. And then finally, that it's going to strengthen us as a community. And it's going to strengthen us as, as, as friends together as we learn to talk with one another in the midst of communing with each other. And then also that the people will know because of our speech and the way we act, the things that we say, they'll know that we are Christ followers, that it will point to Christ. So here we go, the power of words. Now to begin to get a sense of the power of the spoken words, we can start right in Genesis. I mean, we go right to the first book of the Bible there where we see God speak creation into existence. So in Genesis chapter 1, God said, you know, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be the expanse, the waters, vegetation, animals, and so on and so forth. And, and so God is showing us words create action. God speaks creation into existence, and that's how powerful words can be. In John chapter 1, we see that Jesus is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so in the first verse there in John, Jesus is, is called God with the phrase, and the Word was God. And we know this because later on in the chapter, right down in 14 or so, um, it defines who the Word is, and that is indeed Jesus. 
And so the word used uh, here is, is logos. And um, in particular for the Jews and, and the, the Gentiles there, the Jews and the Greeks, um, it meant something to them. It expressed to them that Jesus was deity, that he was indeed God, and in him resides all, in him resides all the power of God, the creator. And then verse 2, he says, he was in the beginning with God. In addition to being God, John calls this word then eternal. There in the beginning of time. In verse 3, we read, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so now we have Jesus, the word, is presented as the creator of all things. Once again, going back to Genesis chapter 1. And then in verse 4, Jesus is noted as the source of life, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus, the Word, divine God who created all things in life itself, as this happened in Genesis 1, as God spoke creation into existence, we see the power resting in God as he used Word to create. Now let's continue and look at how much power words have. We're going to take a look at the James. And of course, if you know, if you've gone through James at all, you know there's some verses that talk about the tongue. And so the book of James states uh, that even though our tongues are these little, little members of our body, just a small portion of our bodies, that they wield a whole lot of power. So let's dig in James chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. It says this, Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So a commentator, Sam Alberry, says this. He says, ships are big. Rudders are small. Brilliant, isn't it? Aren't you guys just, just hold on to whatever else he's going to say here. I know, I thought the same thing. It was great. Okay, here we go. Sorry. One of the biggest ships in the world is the U.S. aircraft carrier, the USS Eisenhower. It weighs over 91,000 tons. It's nearly 1,100 feet in length, has a nuclear-powered 280,000-horsepower engine, almost as big as the engine in my truck, a complement of 6,100 men and women, and carries nearly 100 aircraft. So it is vast. It's like a floating city. And yet all that weight, personnel, and hardware are steered by a rudder. Now listen to this. That's just a tenth of 1% of the ship's size. Something so comparatively small is able to maneuver something so huge. And by the way, aircraft carriers, they are huge. I know a lot of you have probably been on an aircraft carrier before. Who's, who's like toward one? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, they are big. Well, you know, um, Aaron and I, we used to, uh, in San Diego, in California, we used to kayak in the, the, the bay there, in the Coronado Bay. And we would uh, kayak on one side, and we go under the Coronado Bridge over to the Coronado Islands. And uh, in San Diego, they had a lot of um, aircraft carriers, I think up to three. They've had three aircraft carriers in the bay there. And so let me tell you that when you're in a little bitty kayak, and you are next, as close as they let you get without shooting you, I'm next to an aircraft carrier and you look up, you don't feel any power. You feel nothing. And that ship has all the power. 
And so that allegory of the power wielding in the, in the tongue, it becomes a little bit more alive uh, for you, knowing that it can do so many things. So that's how it is with our tongues. They're small, but they're powerful. Now, sometimes we can be led to believe, as, as we walk through Proverbs here, um, that Solomon, you know, that he kind of overstates things, or even James, that this is overstated uh, type of verbiage uh, about the tongue. But, but do they? Are they really overstating things? I'm not sure. Just think back on your own life for just a moment here. Let me ask you this question. What is the meanest thing that anyone has ever said to you? What's the meanest thing that anyone has ever said to you? Maybe been from a friend. Um, could he maybe even been from a spouse? Um, or from a parent as you were a child? And then perhaps maybe some of the things that you've told yourself. Maybe some of the meanest thing that you have said. You know, I've shared with you um, before um, that I was teased in high school for being, being really skinny. And there's a lot of new people here, so you, don't, you haven't heard, but, you know, the old, the old adage here, oh, yeah, I was skinny too. Well, I didn't reach 100 pounds until I was a senior in high school. I was skinny. But I can remember um, just vividly um, this one particular day, this one particular girl who called me such an embarrassing name that to this day, I can, I can see her, I can visualize, I know exactly where I was. I do not have a good memory, by the way. This is seared. Her opening her mouth, what she said, and how much it pierced me. And so words do matter. That tongue is powerful. So James goes on to say, and, and, and I passed that pretty quickly, but I'm sure you have things there that you just remembered. You took a minute, but something came to your, how many of you, something came to your mind? Yeah. So James 5, 3, 5 through 6 says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. And so he compares now, now not only to this rudder that can move this huge ship, but it, our tongues of fire that can set the whole course of one's life on fire. Okay, you guys ready for another California reference? Sorry. Where do you think I'm going to go? Growing up in California, you're, uh, what do you have in California? Fires, yes, yes. Fires. Matter of fact, the, the neighborhood that uh, Tom and Roz lived in, three-quarters of that thing burnt down. Uh, it was just houses. It was just absolutely amazing. But you know for me, there's also, so you got fire and you got earthquakes, yes. And uh, so there's all kinds of fun things. And there's big ships and harbors, too. You guys learned that. But anyways, we know that a fire can start from a small spark. It could just, or a cigarette, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden you have hundreds of thousands of acres that are burned. You have houses that are destroyed. You have families' lives are destroyed. You have people that are killed. Um, and so this is a very purposeful illustration um, when you think about fire. So are you beginning to get a sense of the weight and the power of words and speech? And I hope, I hope that you are. When we get done, everyone, you know, I think this is what's going to happen. We're going to get done with this message. Everybody's going to walk out. Nobody's going to say a word. 
You're going to look at each other maybe because you, know, you don't want to say the wrong thing, right? Actually, I hope that's not the case here. So what are, let's look at some of the ways in which uh, words hurt. What kind of speech does Proverbs condemn? First off, rash and reckless words. Okay, Proverbs 12, 18 says this. There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Another version of this verse says it this way. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the words, excuse me, the tongue of the wise bring healing. So can you kind of feel the, the, the visual there? You got swords piercing somebody. Okay, so rash words or reckless words are like swords that are piercing somebody. And of course, if you know me a little bit, my mind is kind of weird. Where does my mind go? The princess bride. I mean, does it, isn't that where you guys go to, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Hello, my name is Inyo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. And in that picture, if, you, if you've seen it, there's, there's these thrusts with the sword. First, he gets kind of thrusted on, and then he thrusts his sword into uh, the other guy. And so um, it's probably a good thing that you guys don't live in my mind because it's a pretty scary place. But, you know, I'm reading God's Word. I'm studying. Where do I go? Princess Bride. Okay. So um, I hope you get something out of this message today. All right. Other than the Princess Bride. But one commentary said to think of it uh, this way. It said, we need to see in our rash words, and this is very, very vivid. We need to see in our rash words razor blades flying out of our mouths right into the body of the other person. Those wounds and scars remain long after the words have faded away. It's quite a visual. And so Proverbs is very intent on telling us how powerful our speech is. Reckless, rash words, they have the power. Uh, they're as fierce as a sword piercing somebody and going to the heart. And so I think it's worth asking this question again. Have you ever had somebody speak a reckless or rash word to you and it cuts you deep to your heart? Have you ever spoken such a word to somebody else and seen the fallout from your words? Think about that for a second. I know that I have. And it's a little sobering, isn't it? So what are reckless or rash words? Um, a lot of times, or one way to think about it is, a lot of times they're just words that we're not thinking, we're just expressing, we're reacting something, um, impulsive types of words. And it might happen in situations in your life where uh, perhaps you've been hurt, you're angry, you're tired, you're stressed, um, you're irritated, you're frustrated, you're not feeling well, um, you're feeling that somebody used you, that, that somebody did something to you, um, or maybe it'd be just because you're hungry, for Aaron and I, it's the hungry. If you're new, Aaron's my wife. And so this, this hungry thing, you know, we're pretty bad with it. I mean, we've, yeah, it's not that bad, but we've, we've gotten good. Matter of fact, there's a sign in our dining room. It says, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. Okay, so you know, it was enough for us to actually buy something and put it in our kitchen. So... I love you, honey. All right. But we have to be careful here because um, 
These words, as verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 18 says, uh, can be th like a thrust of a sword that leaves a scar. And, how, and where else, where does this happen? Well, we can speak reckless or rash words as parents to our children. Maybe you've received one of these from your mom or your dad or your sister or your, your brother, and you remember it to this day. Reckless words can wound a child's spirit and any number of relationships. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's interesting, it's surprising that how, how many of these times or issues or that these situations come up when it's with somebody that we really love, somebody that we're most closest to. So, of course, none of you have done that right here, right? Never, ever have I ever said a, no, it's not true, is it? All right, kids, let me talk to you for a second. Um, there's a few in here, okay? And um, I want to talk to you about your brothers or sisters, okay? Maybe if you don't have a brother or sister, you have a really close friend, all right? Your siblings, as well as you, will remember some hurtful things that you say to one another. And you're going to remember it 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And, um, and so I just want you to think about that. If you're kind of wondering a little bit where I'm going with this or, or confused by it, you can ask your parents. But I want to do a little experiment here, and this may backfire on me. Okay, I want you to, anybody, to raise your hand if you remember something hurtful that your sibling said to you. Doesn't matter how long ago, and you still remember it. Raise your hand if you can remember something that your sibling said to you. Okay, raise them high. Kids in here, take a look at, at the, um, at the, what are those things you got? Hands, yeah. Hands, arms raised. Yeah. So just remember that as you begin to have a conversation. And maybe this is an area parents. This quote. Um, and our thoughts and what our relationships look like. So I warned you guys that we were going to go to the dark side.
Religion is worthless. Ouch. So this, this section of James here, it's kind of talking about your obedient doer of the word, and so uh, creating action with your, um, your beliefs, creating action as a Christ follower. And so not speaking unkindly or rashly or reckless words to one another, to one another in the context of being a believer, okay, this is a kind of a character check. Who you really are as a Christ follower. Who am I? What are the things that come out of my mouth towards my brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm feeling away. Okay, so the first kind of speech. That's rash or reckless words. That's the first one. The second one is this. Dishonest, lying speech. So that's number two. Okay. Proverbs 4.24 uh, we can't put all these verses on here, so write them down. You can look at them later. 424, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Proverbs 2017, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. And um, bread gained by deceit, this is Proverbs 2017, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth is, will be full of gravel. So this is a pretty... Devastating verses there about lying. So let's just touch, uh, touch on a few things here. First, according to, to Proverbs here, these verses, dishonest and lying words of speech, they try to disguise the person who is lying to you and their true feelings. 26, 24. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in the heart they harbor, this says that the lying lips conceals hatred, hides it. 26, 28 says that a lying tongue hates those that it hurts. And so here we just, we just need to know that, and I want you to get that, there's usually for a person who's hurting you, who's lying, there's usually something below and underneath that has gotten them to the point. So it's one thing we have to remember for a person who, who lies. Um, they're hiding behind something. Um, but I want to dial it down a notch here. For, uh, when our friends or uh, uh, parents, you know, when our children lie because None, because your kids come to Lamworth Road Church, none of your kids ever, ever tell a lie, right? They never fudge on anything at all. But, kids, I want to talk to you again. And be, actually, before I go there, uh, for parents, I, I want to, I don't know why I'm looking at you guys over here. <laughs> Any children we need to know about? We're okay? Okay. Parents, um, remember, when your kids are lying, there, there is something underneath there. Now, it might be just an experiment. You know, they're, getting, they're starting to grow up, and they're just trying to see how far they can push you. But a lot of times, there's, there's something under there. There's fear. They're afraid of something. And so uh, you need to make sure you explore that, and you need to find out what's rattling around in their hearts, okay? Children, for you guys here, if you find yourselves, for some reason, lying, saying a fib to your parents, your teachers, or maybe even your friends, you need to ask yourself, why, why am I doing this? What, what's going on? And maybe have a little conversation with God and ask him to help you reveal to you why it is you feel like you have to say something that is not um, the truth. And then if you're really brave kids... I'm going to ask you to have a conversation with your mom or your dad and, and just talk about this. Mom, dad, I, 
I don't know why I lied, or I'm having trouble telling the truth. I promise you that they will be okay with this, all right? They will probably hug you, number one, and then a few of them might even cry. So, and there'll be good tears, not tears that mad at you. So I just want to encourage that. Okay. Secondly, Proverbs tells us that lying is sweet at first, but only a fleeting feeling. In other words, lying will eventually destroy, it goes down easy at first, but it'll destroy the liar, and unfortunately, it can have a devastating effect on the person that you lied about or lied to. It affects and can affect their reputation. Proverbs 12, 19 says this, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only for a moment. 2017 says, food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouthful of gravel. But here's this. Listen to this verse here. Probably the most devastating verse found in Proverbs about lying and being deceitful is, is Proverbs 12, 22. Uh, besides lying is, is listed in chapter 6 as one of the things that God hates, and then it's one of the seven things that is detestable to God. So beside that, Proverbs 22 says this, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Somebody said this about that, that there is no greater rebuke in Scripture than being an abomination to the Lord. It's another ouch verse. Ray Ortman, in his commentary, said this about lying. He said, why is lying so evil? Because true, sincere, honest words bind us together in community. True words make love and trust and intimacy possible. But false words conceal us from one another, even as we might go on faking community, role-playing community outwardly while something else is really going on in our hearts. And who wants that hypocrisy? There's nothing divine in it. But speaking lies is only half the problem. Listening to lies and gossips, flippant denigration, that is a moral issue too. And then Ortman continues, he goes on, it's not on, on the screen, but he says that God wants us to know that just even standing there and listening and tolerating that is in a sense that we're sharing in it. Here's another pithy verse that speaks to this. Proverbs 17:4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So, rash and reckless words, number one. Dishonest and lying speech, number two. Thirdly, Proverbs condemns all gossip and slander. All right. Let me ask you this question. How many people does it take to start the cancer of gossip? Yeah, just one. How many churches are hurt by gossip? A ton. How many friendships are destroyed by gossip? How many careers are sabotaged by gossip? On and on we can go, right? And the thing about gossip, it's kind of tough because it's, um, in a strange way, we kind of, you know, if we're going to be honest, right? Sometimes we like hearing gossip. It's just, oh, really? You know, we start to feel a little guilty, but the first part of it's kind of a little juicy. And, um, and people set up gossip so many differently, different ways. They, they kind of couch it in like, you know, I just want to help this person. You know, I love this person. You know, they're okay with me saying this to you. And so you all have these precursors to, to what gossip 
can be. Proverbs 18.8 says, and I love the way the New American Standard puts this, the words of a gossiper, okay, are like dainty morsels. Just think La Chantalene. Just think the bakery, right? Yeah. I think I'm going to go there after the service. Anyways, they go down into the innermost parts of the body. So it's something so tasty and delicate, yet where it ends up is it ends up inside of us. So by the way, let me, let me tell you guys something here. Did you know that Chris Martin has a tattoo? <laughs> Actually, I have no idea if he has a tattoo, but <laughs> you get it anyways. So God hates gas, gossip and slander, and, and he's, he's asking us to hate it too. It destroys relationships. It can rip apart a church, friendships, and, and most importantly, Satan uses it. Satan uses it to destroy and to keep believers from being on our mission. So, four quick things that Proverbs tells us what gossip does. Number one, it reveals secrets. Number two, it betrays and destroys friendships. Number three, it creates strife. And number fourth, it destroys character and integrity to those he gossips about and also destroys his character. Back to one real quick. You can write these verses down. Proverbs eleven thirteen, A gossip betrays a confidence. Another version says secrets. Proverbs 17, 9 says this on betrays and destroys friendships. It says, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 16, 28, second part of that verse says, and a gossip separates close friends. Friends, and some of you guys have experienced this in your own lives. Great strife is Proverbs 16, 27. His speech is like a scorching fire. And the fourth, destroying character, not only the person that you're gossiping about, but also the person themselves, is Proverbs 11, 9. First part, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. Um, and it goes on into Proverbs 25, 9 and 10. I won't read that. That talks about destroying your own reputation. So, it reveals secrets. It betrays and destroys relationships. It creates strife, destroys character and integrity to those that you gossip about in your own. So whether the gossip is true, whether it's not, whether it's incidental, gossip destroys people, both the user and the one and the subject itself. So here's the application question for you dealing with gossip. Do we speak up when others are gossiped about or put down? Or do we just stand there and listen as the blast of a gossip and slander hits us in the face? What do we do? You notice that I put myself in there? I didn't say... What do you guys do? Because I'm a part of this too. Okay, going on to slander real quick. I'm just going to give you a quote. Todd Reardon quotes this. It's kind of a, the next level of gossip is slander. It says, gossip collects someone's secrets and then passes them to others. Slander makes up its own secrets and broadcasts them wherever they're going to do the most harm. They are like releasing a weapon that can stay with a person for the rest of of their life. Okay, the last thing that speech 
that Proverbs condemns. And this one here is a little more subtle. It's a little bit more different. Maybe you wouldn't have chosen it yourself if you were talking up here, but uh, it was kind of interesting. It's words that we, we reframe from saying, words that we don't say that we should say, okay? In other words, you know, not saying the things we should when something was, was happening. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good for those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. How's that look? Well, when we refrain from forgiveness and forgiving somebody, we don't say anything. We know every part of you says you need to forgive. God says you need to forgive. You, you, you know, your friends say you need to forgive that person, and there's silence. We, can't, we don't go there. We don't say, I forgive you. We don't say those words. We refrain from saying, I love you. I love you. Spouses, parents of children, parents, friends, whatever it might be. And so we, we refrain from entering into that place of healing. Sometimes it's hard by the things that we don't say. We're almost done here, folks. Example for me here in this area of not saying things, and this happened early on in my, um, uh, my walk with the Lord and relationships. Specifically, um, we would see in other marriages that are, were struggling, and um, there are a few that, that I just, uh, gives me the heebie-jeebies every time I think about it, but where I didn't say anything. And I knew there were issues. I knew there was stuff there. And um, those families are destroyed. I know I had good words to tell them. I mean, I canceled marriages and things. But something, you know, fear kept me from it. And those are words that I didn't say. That's, so that's a part of, of, of how powerful words are. And of course, there's marriages where we dived in and we spoke into them, and they're okay. So there you go. Just a few areas of speech of many that Proverbs uh, condemns. Rash and reckless words, dishonest and lying speech, gossip and slander, and words that we refrain from saying. Okay, are you guys ready to move from the dark side of the power of words? You want to go to the good stuff? Okay, well, you got to come back next week, okay? Uh, let me finish up with a little application question here. And the question, and I want you to mull this over here this week. And ask yourself this question. You can write this down. Are the words that I speak, this kind of goes back to our theme verse. Are the words that I speak, are they speaking death? Or are they speaking life into people? I can guarantee you, you're going to check your conversations this week. But I want you to think of it. Ask yourself, speaking death, or are they speaking life into people? And let me finish by giving you a little bit of medicine, a little bit of antidote for the power of words. It's Ephesians 4.29. Do not any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who will listen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your powerful words, and sometimes things we read in your word, they, they reach our innermost parts. They hurt a little bit because they're so real, and Father, perhaps we have
lived some of them. But you are a God that heals, redeems, rescue. You are a God who shows grace and mercy. And you are a God who wants to see us change, become more like you. We use a fancy word called sanctification. And Lord, we thank you for that. And I prayed uh, this morning as we leave here and today and throughout this week, we think about our words. We think about the things we say. Um, Lord, will you uh, lead us there? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Why don't you go ahead and stand and we'll say a blessing. And then uh, you can go out into that beautiful sunny day out there. Maybe take a hike, barbecue, invite me over. No, that's right. I'm going to La Chatelaine. That's right. Okay. Um, all right. Why don't you lift your hands and say a blessing over you. And this comes from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. You guys have a great day in the Lord. And if, if, if anybody needs prayer or if this has troubled you in some way, you're thinking about some things and, you, and, and we can talk with you and pray with you. A couple of pastors will be up front here and so you can come on up and uh, we'll talk with you. Thanks so much.